Welcome to episode 107 of the FarmExec podcast. I'm Elaine Quilici, Editor-in-Chief of FarmExec Magazine, here along with my co-host, Group Social Media Editor, Miranda Schnalfis. FarmExec Magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest insights to master the science of success. On this week's episode, Miranda and I have the pleasure of speaking with Camille Hertzka, VP Head of Oncology, U.S. Medical at AstraZeneca. Camille talks about her experience as a leader in oncology over the years and what we might expect from the space moving into the future. Let's take a quick break from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Camille. What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At True Serum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? audience-fed creative, and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at truesterumntwk.com. Hello, podcasters. Today, Miranda and I will be interviewing Camille Hertzka, VP Head of Oncology, U.S. Medical at AstraZeneca. Camille is here to discuss the challenges and opportunities of leading in the oncology space today and her thoughts on where the space is headed. Thanks for joining us today, Camille. Hi, Ellen, and hi, Miranda. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. It's really a pleasure to be here. So you have a rich background in oncology. How have you seen the space change throughout your career? It's interesting because when I look back at when I started my career in pharma, in oncology, It was actually almost nearly 20 years ago, which feels a long time. But I have to say, I'm quite amazed by the progress we've made and how things have evolved in the environment, but also in my personal thinking around what we can do about cancer and cancer care. When I go back and I think about how I started in this field, we were looking at cancer as really a devastating disease. Patients were very often diagnosed with quite advanced disease they usually had a relatively poor prognosis. And we didn't have all the treatments we have today. Most patients, when they had an advanced disease, they were receiving chemotherapy. We didn't have all the targeted therapies that we have today. And the goal of treatments was at the time for most patients to really prolong life or to delay their progression as a progression of their disease. And I I remember actually some discussions I was having at the time with my colleagues on how we were getting excited on prolonging life of patients of a couple of weeks. It was great. It was a first great improvement. Now, nearly 20 years later, we are in a totally different environment. We are talking about months of lives, years of lives. We're talking about long-term remission, and we are talking about long-term survival. There is much more hope in the outcome of patients with cancer. Today, we think totally different on the way we approach cancer. In the past, we were talking about lung cancer, breast cancer. Now we are looking at the biology of cancers in a totally different approach because we understand much better what's going on with different cancer types. And we have targeted therapies for some of this subgroup of patients where we can see totally different impacts that we can bring. We talk about precision medicine. It's really at the forefront of cancer research. We look at immunotherapies at a a new hope for patients as well. And we have been able to deliver new technology, new type of medicines, like, for example, antibody drug conjugates, 
which were 20 years ago a dream, but really far from being a reality. And now one of the goals that we have is really, again, to prolong survival of patients of long time, not talking about weeks, and really improve quality of life of patients because they are going to live longer with their disease. And maybe just sharing a little bit more of, of a personal story that has been following me all the way through uh, now. My mother was diagnosed with lung cancer just when I started my career. And she was diagnosed with actually a metastatic lung cancer diagnostic. We knew not going to be great. The only option she had at the time was chemotherapy. And when I think about the time she was diagnosed, there was really very few hope. If she was diagnosed today, things would have been very different. We would have had biomarker testing. We would have looked at what kind of lung cancer she had. We could have had better treatment options potentially for her and maybe multiple treatment options for her. She had one, one treatment with chemotherapy and that was it. There was nothing else. And so when I look at this, I think that maybe she could have been here for a longer time. And each time I come to work, I think about situations like my mother, and there are so many others out there that are really driving the work that I do. So I'm, I'm very passionate about the progress that we've made all through these years. Now, the battle is not finished, and there is still a lot that we need to do. And the team is very, very committed. The oncology groups are very committed to improve patient outcomes and more patient outcomes. So what are some of today's challenges in launching an oncology drug? It's interesting because when you think about how, again, the oncology treatment have evolved, one of the things that is now very present is precision medicine. But one of the things that goes with precision medicine is that you need to be able to understand what is going to be the right target for which patient. And so what we need to do for that is at the time of the diagnosis of patients, we need to understand what is going to be the biology of their tumor. What are the characteristics of their cancer? And for that, we need to do biomarker testing. And we know that obviously biomarker testing is becoming more and more frequent, but it's still not totally there yet. We still see some patients not having the full panel of all the different biomarkers that would be possible for their specific tumor. And we see that it's not consistent in different institutions in the same way. So it's really important that biomarker testing becomes really part of the diagnosis of patient as early as possible in the course of their disease so they can potentially receive a targeted therapy as per their tumor biology. The other thing that we see with that is also sometimes patients receive their biomarker testing results a bit late, and we know that some of these patients don't have a lot of time before their disease progressing. So we need to make sure that the whole logistical aspect of biomarker testing, beyond just the willingness of doing the test, is all set up for success for patients to receive their tests as early as possible. Another thing that I'm seeing more and more with the evolution of cancer care is the fact that now we understand how important it is to move to earlier stage of the disease with our medicines. Because when you're diagnosed with an advanced cancer, uh, with a stage four, as we, we talk about metastatic cancer, for example, patients with an advanced disease will have less chances to live longer than patients with an earlier stage of the disease. And so we have been focusing a lot on trying to identify more patients at an earlier stage of the disease and then develop our medicines for these patients. But what we know is actually still in some cancer types, lung cancer being one of them, but there are so many others, where we know that there are some patients at higher risk of developing these cancers. Screening is not always established as a standard, and it's not always happening systematically. 
which is really a lost opportunity for those patients to be able to be diagnosed at an earlier stage and therefore receive potentially a better treatment options earlier. So that's, that's really another important aspect, early diagnosis of patient. And another thing that I think is important when we look at cancer care in the U.S., and it's interesting because I've worked across the globe in Europe, in very different countries, in Asia, in Latin America, in Middle East Africa. But what I see in the U.S. is actually is that there is a lot of healthcare disparities as well. And clearly, all patients deserve to receive the best treatment options. And so that's, that's something that really we need to tackle. We need to tackle this as a broader oncology community, really joining our forces together to address these challenges that minorities could have. And overall, the disparity in quality of care that we see in the U.S. Maybe one or two other things that I think are interesting to consider also as we are evolving in, in cancer care. As science is evolving and is becoming more complex than ever, as we are progressing so much with new treatment options for more patients, it's becoming very, very complex. And there's a lot of information out there. So one of the work that we are doing is really trying to simplify and to help to simplify the science in something that is meaningful for patients and, and for treatment of, of those patients. And maybe the last one that is also associated with that is the role that patients are taking in the care of their disease. If you think about the number of people who have cancer today, it's actually a very large number of people and it's increasing. But with that, there is also more treatment options. And there is this willingness to partner with the patients to help them to understand their disease, to help them to be part of the decision. At the same time, it's a very heavy disease. And for patients to face a diagnosis, to face a treatment, to face a decision they will have to take is very challenging. So being able to, to collaborate with patient advocacy group to help the caregivers of the patient to have the right tools to go through their disease in the most optimal way is extremely important and is going to become probably more and more important as patients will continue to live with cancer and hopefully live longer with a disease that is not impacting their quality of life. How does the culture of AstraZeneca translate into the company's drug development? At AstraZeneca, you know, we are really driven by our people. We know that we have a wonderful portfolio, but people are really important to deliver on this amazing portfolio. We have very much of a culture of innovation. We love disrupting thinking, uh, challenging each other, building from each other expertise. And we are also very, very ambitious. When we talk about oncology and the goals that we have in oncology, in fact, what we aim for is that one day, we will eliminate cancer as a cause of death. At one day, people will either live with cancer, but you know, be fine and have a normal life, or potentially we could even think about some patient being cured with being free of their disease. So with this very broad ambition, we have been very thoughtful about our strategy, again, with this disruptive thinking, and we have focused on certain areas. First, we've thought about the importance of having a diverse portfolio, because on one hand, it's really important to attack cancer from different angles, to be able to potentially combine some of these medicines to have the best impact for some patients, but also to offer multiple options for patients who might live again for a certain time with their cancer and have different treatments one after the other one. We are also really thinking with, again, this diverse portfolio about precision medicine and how can we bring the right treatment at the right time for the right patient. This is something that is really at the core of everything we do. And I think more and more we have been taking a holistic approach to cancer care. If I think about, again, the evolution of how we're taking cancer, 
in the past, we were talking about a medicine at one time. Now we are talking about the whole story of what is going to happen to the patient from the time the patients are going to be diagnosed to survivorship from early stage of the disease where patients will have the greatest chance to have better outcomes to also looking at patients who will have a more advanced disease and how can we help them to live longer and better with potentially still their disease being there. So with this type of approach, I think we're really taking different angles to make sure that we, we can, again, tackle cancer in different ways. And for that, we have built teams with very diverse profiles of researchers, of clinicians. We are collaborating with other pharma. We are working with patient advocacy groups. We are working with numerous collaborations outside of AstraZeneca to build the best expertise, the best network to be able to be in the best position to defeat cancer, really. And I think this diversity of thinking is extremely important if we aim to, to defeat cancer. One of the things when I look more at what my team is doing and how I'm thinking about this from a more U.S. medical affairs side, as this is really my, my area, we really want to be proactive. We really want to be thinking strategically on how we can partner with, again, the best expert internally, externally how we can simplify the science, how we can address the data gaps that we could have and understand what the patient needs, what are their biggest priorities, what are their biggest concerns. The patient's voice is becoming extremely, extremely important, and we have more tools to be able to access this kind of insights that can help us to develop a better strategy. And we are, as I said earlier, we're not just treating the disease, but really looking forward to improving the lives of people from early diagnosis and early screening to survivorship and gives them more quality time with their family and their friends. So where do you see the oncology space headed in the next few years? Well, I think first, when I think about the future, I have to associate everything to hope. I think I mentioned earlier when I started in oncology, it was really a question of getting a few more weeks. Now it's full of hope. And we are really at this time where the hope is becoming a reality. If we continue working in collaboration with different institutions, with our industry partners, with the whole oncology community, we will be able to have more patients being diagnosed at an earlier stage, which I think is critically important, as I mentioned, because that is where patients have the better chance to have better outcome. So this early screening piece and early diagnosis is extremely important. And I think that's really a, a new focus or that has been a focus until now that was unfortunately not very successful. I think now we are getting together to make sure that more patients are going to be uh, screened and diagnosed earlier. And we have been able now to develop more medicines also for this patient at an earlier stage. There are more options for them, which is something relatively also new and that is going to be more frequent in the future. We're also thinking about how patients are going to progress with their disease and what are going to be the biological drivers of this resistance to the current treatment. And so with that, again, our research is really looking into what else can we do? We are bringing new medicines, but we need to continue to look at what are going to be the next waves of medicines to help patients, again, live longer with potentially multiple lines of treatment without having a negative impact on their quality of life and living in the best and most optimal way. Another aspect that I think is really important when we look at the future is how science and innovation has been accelerated and is going to be accelerated. Just thinking about clinical trials, 
we are now able to identify patient population who will potentially benefit more from the treatment and therefore do specific trials and accelerate innovations through this route. But also when I think about the way research has evolved and the way innovation is really accelerating things, we can now identify targets in a much faster way than we were able to do this in the past. So again, I'm thinking about more treatment options for more patients through these accelerated research opportunities. And then there is this, this thing which to me is quite important. The more we are going into precision medicine, the more we are going to have uh, treatments that are uh, not only active for patients, but also that are going to limit toxicities potentially for those patients. And that's very, very important if we aim to have these patients, again, living longer with their disease. We want them to live longer better. So that's, you know, really in a nutshell where I think we are heading in, in the next couple of years with early diagnosis, acceleration of innovation with our research, and having the best treatment options with precision medicine. If there is one lesson you wish you would have learned earlier in your career, what would it be? I don't know if it's so much of a lesson that I wish I've learned. I think that's something that I've learned quite early on. I just didn't know always how to do to deal with it. To me, the main thing is we need to think big. We need to dream big. And what I didn't know at the time, I've always been a big dreamer and a big believer that we should, we should target the best possible outcomes. But what is really important is to think on how you're going to build your plan towards this goal. Dreaming big and thinking big is one thing. How do you get there is the other question. And I think it's really important to ask yourself what it will take to get there. Ask yourself, why not? And challenge yourself to think differently. Challenge your colleagues to think differently. Bring the best people around the table to challenge each other. And at the same time, as being impatient to get quickly to this big dream, thinking that things sometimes take a little bit longer than expected, and that one step at a time, we will get there. And that's a perfect example of when I look back at this 20 years almost of my career in oncology, I thought things were going slowly. Now, when I look back, I'm quite impressed on how things have moved very, very fast. And that's also because there was a big dream that we had to do something to improve patient outcomes. So now um, I'm looking at the next step when we will eliminate cancer as a cause of death. Camille, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been really interesting learning about your experience in oncology, the changes you've seen over the years, and what we can look forward to in the space. Thank you very much for having me on today, and I hope to see you soon, Ellen and Miranda. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. What if you had limitless access to customer insights? accelerated timelines, and set fees. At True Serum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at trueserumntwk.com. And now it's time for this week's leadership tips from pharma execs. Hi, I'm Kemal Hertzka, VP Head of Oncology U.S. Medical at AstraZeneca. And my leadership tip is that you always should stay curious. Challenge the status quo, ask questions, ask what if, what if you try, and consider things differently. 
Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's Farm Exec Podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the Farm Exec staff is working on. Remember, you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter at farmexec, on Instagram at farmexecutive, and on YouTube. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of FarmExec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email Editor-in-Chief Elaine Quilici at E-Q-U-I-L-I-C-I at MJHLifeSciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at T-B-A-K-E-R at MJHLifeSciences.com.